Good evening. Welcome to the Just Sleep Podcast. I'm Tasha, your host. Every week, I will read you an old story to help you relax, put the stressful day behind you, and drift off to sleep. Occasionally, we will run ads in order to cover the costs of the production of the podcast. Rest assured, there will be no ads during or after the story. If you prefer an ad-free and intro-free show, you can join Just Sleep Premium. Visit justsleeppodcast.com slash Support for more information. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Tonight I read The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood by Howard Pyle. So lie down, close your eyes, and let me read you a story. How Robin Hood Came to Be an Outlaw In Merry England, in the time of old, when good King Henry II ruled the land, there lived within the green glades of Sherwood Forest, near Nottingham Town, a famous outlaw whose name was Robin Hood. No archer ever lived that could speed a grey goose shaft with such skill 
and cunning as his. Nor were there ever such yeomen as the seven-score merry men that roamed with him through the greenwood shades. Right merrily they dwelled within the depths of Sherwood Forest, suffering neither care nor want, but passing the time in merry games of archery or bouts of cudgel play, living upon the king's venison, washed down with draughts of ale of October brewing. Not only Robin himself, but all the band were outlaws and dwelled apart from other men, yet they were beloved by the country people round about, for no one ever came to Jolly Robin for help in time of need and went away again with an empty fist. And now I will tell you how it came about that Robin Hood fell afoul of the law. When Robin was a youth of eighteen, stout of sinew and bold of heart, the sheriff of Nottingham proclaimed a shooting match and offered a prize of a butt of ale to whosoever should shoot the best shaft in Nottinghamshire. Now, quoth Robin, will I go too, for fain would I draw a string for the bright eyes of my lass and a butt of good October brewing. So up he got and took his good stout bow and a score or more of broad cloth-yard arrows and started off from Loxley town through Sherwood Forest, to Nottingham. It was at the dawn of day, in the merry Maytime, when hedgerows are green and the flowers bedeck the meadows, when apple buds blossom and sweet birds sing the lark at dawn of day, when lads and lasses look upon each other with sweet thoughts, when busy housewives spread their linen to bleach upon the bright green grass. Sweet was the greenwood as he walked along its paths, and bright the green and rustling leaves, amid which the little birds sang with might and main. And blithely, Robin whistled as he trudged along, thinking of Maid Marian and her bright eyes. For at such times a youth's thoughts are wont to turn pleasantly upon the lass that he loves the best. As thus he walked along with a brisk step and a merry whistle, he came suddenly upon some foresters seated beneath a great oak tree. Fifteen there were in all, making themselves merry with feasting and drinking, as they sat around a huge pasty, to which each man helped himself, thrusting his hands into the pie, and washing down that which they ate with great horns of ale, which they drew, all foaming from a barrel that stood nigh. Each man was clad in Lincoln green, and a fine show they made, seated upon the sward beneath that fair spreading tree. Then one of them, with his mouth full, called out to Robin, Hello. Where goest thou, little lad, with thy one penny bow and thy farthing shafts? Then Robin grew angry, for no stripling likes to be taunted with his green ears. Now, quoth he, my bow and eke mine arrows are as good as thine, and moreover, I go to the shooting match at Nottingham Town, which same has been proclaimed by our good sheriff of Nottinghamshire. There I will shoot with other stout yeomen, for a prize has been offered. Of a fine butt of ale. Then one, who held a horn of ale in his hand, said, Ho, oh, listen to the lad. Why, boy, thy mother's milk is yet scarce dry upon thy lips, and yet thou prattest of standing up with good stout men at Nottingham butts, thou who art scarce able to draw one straw of a two-stone bow. I'll hold the best of you twenty marks, quoth old Robin, that I hit the clout at threescore rods by the good help of Our Lady Fair. At this all laughed aloud and said, Well boasted, thou fair infant, 
well boasted. And well thou knowest that no target is nigh to make good thy wager. And another cried, He will be taking ale with his milk next. At this, Robin grew right mad. Hark ye, said he, yonder, at the glade's end, I see a herd of deer, even more than three score rods distant. I'll hold you twenty marks that by a leave of Our Lady, I cause the best heart among them to die. Now done, cried he who had spoken first, and here are twenty marks. I wager that thou causest no beast to die, with or without the aid of Our Lady. Then Robin took his good yew bow in his hand, and placing the tip at his instep, he strung it right deftly. Then he knocked a broad cloth-yard arrow, and raising the bow, drew the grey goose feather to his ear. The next moment, the bowstring rang, and the arrow sped down the glade as a sparrowhawk skims in a northern wind. High leaped the noblest heart of all the herd, only to fall dead, reddening the green path with his heart's blood. Ha! cried Robin, how likest thou that shot, good fellow? I wot the wager were mine, and it were three hundred pounds. Then all the foresters were filled with rage, and he who had spoken first, and had lost the wager, was more angry than all. Nay, cried he, the wager's none of thine, and get thee gone straight away, or by all the saints of heaven I'll baste thy size until thou wilt ne'er be able to walk again. Knowest thou not, said another, that thou hast killed the king's dare, and by the laws of our gracious lord and sovereign king Harry, thine heirs should be shaven close to thy head? Catch him, cried a third. Nay, said a fourth, let him e'en go because of his tender years. Never a word, said Robin Hood, but he looked at the foresters with a grim face, then turning on his heel, strode away from them down the forest glade. But his heart was bitterly angry, for his blood was hot and youthful and prone to boil. Now, well, it would have been for him who had first spoken, had he left Robin Hood alone. But his anger was hot both because the youth had gotten the better of him and because of the deep draughts of ale that he had been quaffing. So of a sudden, without any warning, he sprang to his feet and seized upon his bow and fitted it to a shaft. Ay, cried he, and I'll hurry thee anon. And he sent the arrow whistling after Robin. It was well for Robin that that same forester's head was spinning with ale, or else he would never have taken another step. As it was, the arrow whistled within three inches of his head. Then he turned around and quickly drew his own bow and set an arrow back in return. He said I was no archer, cried he aloud, but say so now again. The shaft flew straight. The archer fell forward with a cry and lay on his face upon the ground, his arrows rattling about him from out of his quiver, the grey goose shaft wet with his heart's blood. Then before the others could gather their wits about them, Robin Hood was gone into the depths of the greenwood. Some started after him, but not with much heart, for each feared to suffer the death of his fellow. So presently they all came and lifted the dead man up and bore him away to Nottingham Town. Meanwhile, Robin Hood ran through the greenwood. Gone was all the joy and brightness from within, for his heart was sick within him and it was borne in upon his soul that he had slain a man. Alas, cried he, thou hast found me an archer that will make thy wife to ring. 
I would that thou hast ne'er said one word to me, but that I had never passed thy way, or e'en that my right forefinger had been stricken off ere that this had happened. In haste I smote, but grieve I saw at leisure. And then even in his trouble he remembered the old saw that what is done is done, and the egg cracked cannot be cured. And so he came to dwell in the greenwood that was to be his home for many a year to come, never again to see the happy days with the lads and lasses of sweet Loxley town. For he was outlawed, not only because he had killed a man, but also because he had poached upon the king's dare, and two hundred pounds were set upon his head as a reward for whoever would bring him to the court of the king. Now the sheriff of Nottingham swore that he himself would bring this knave Robin Hood to justice, and for two reasons. First, because he wanted the two hundred pounds, and next, because the forester that Robin Hood had killed was of king to him. But Robin Hood lay hidden in Sherwood Forest for one year, and in that time there gathered around him many others like him, cast out from other folk for this cause or that. Some had shot deer in hungry winter time when they could get no other food, and had been seen in the act by the foresters, but had escaped, thus saving their heirs. Some had been turned out of their inheritance, that their farms might be added to the king's lands in Sherwood Forest. Some had been despoiled by a great baron, or rich abbot, or powerful squire. All, for one cause or another, had come to Sherwood to escape wrong and oppression. So in all that year, five score or more good, stout yeomen gathered around Robin Hood and chose him to be their chief and leader. Then they vowed that even as they themselves had been despoiled, they would despoil their oppressors, whether baron, abbot, knight, or squire, and that from each they would take that which had been wrung from the poor by unjust taxes or land rents or in wrongful fines. But to the poor folk, they would give a helping hand in need and trouble, and would return to them that which had been unjustly taken from them. Besides this, they swore never to harm a child nor to wrong a woman, be she maid, wife, or widow. So that after a while, when the people began to find that no harm was meant to them, but that money or food came in time of want to many a poor family, they came to praise Robin and his merry men, and to tell many tales of him and his doings in Sherwood Forest, for they felt him to be one of themselves. Up rose Robin Hood one merry morn, when all the birds were singing blithely among the leaves, and up rose all his merry men, each fellow washing his head and hands in the cold brown brook that leaped, laughing from stone to stone. Then Robin said, For fourteen days have we seen no sport, so now I will go abroad to seek adventures forthwith. But tarry ye, my merry men all, here in the greenwood, only see that ye mind well my call. Three blasts upon the bugle horn I will blow in my hour of need. Then come quickly, for I shall want your aid. So saying, he strode away through the leafy forest glades until he came to the verge of Sherwood. There he wandered for a long time, through highway and byway, through Dingley Dell and forest skirts. Now he met a fair buxom lass in a shady lane, and each gave the other a merry word and passed their way. Now he saw a fair lady upon an ambling pad, to whom he doffed his cap, and who bowed sedately in return to the fair youth. Now he saw a fat monk on a pannier lead an ass, now a gallant knight with spear and shield and armor 
that flashed brilliantly in the sunlight. Now a page clad in crimson, and now a stout burgher from good Nottingham town, pacing along with serious steps. All these sights he saw, but adventure found he none. At last, he took a road by the forest skirts, a bypath that dipped toward a broad, pebbly stream, spanned by a narrow bridge made of a log of wood. As he drew nigh this bridge, he saw a tall stranger coming from the other side. Thereupon, Robin quickened his pace, as did the stranger likewise, each thinking to cross first. Now stand thou back, quoth Robin, and let the better man cross first. Nay, answered the stranger, then stand back thine own self, for the better man, I wet, am I. That we will presently see, quoth Robin, and meanwhile, stand thou where thou art, or else, by the bright brow of St. Alfreda, I shall show thee right good Nottingham play with a cloth-yard shaft betwixt thy ribs. Now, quoth the stranger, I will tie in thy hide till it be as many colours as a beggar's cloak, if thou darest so much as touch a string of that same bow that thou holdest in thy hands. Thou prattest like an ass, said Robin, for I could send this shaft clean through thy proud heart before a curtle friar could say grace over a roast goose at Michaelmas tide. And thou prattest like a coward, answered the stranger, for thou standest there with a good yew bow to shoot at my heart, while I have nought in my hand but a plain black-thorn staff wherewith to meet thee. Now, quoth Robin, by the faith of my heart, never have I had a coward's name in all my life before. I will lay by my trusty bow and eke my arrows, and if thou darest abide my coming, I will go and cut a cudgel to test thy manhood withal. Ay, marry, that will I abide thy coming, and joyously too, quoth the stranger, whereupon he leaned sturdily upon his staff to await Robin. Then Robin Hood stepped quickly to the coverside and cut a good staff of ground oak, straight, without new, and six feet in length, and came back trimming away the tender stems from it, while the stranger waited for him, leaning upon his staff, and whistling as he gazed round about. Robin observed him furtively as he trimmed his staff, measuring him from top to toe, from out the corner of his eye, and thought that he had never seen a lustier or a stouter man. Tall was Robin, but taller was the stranger by a head and a neck, for he was seven feet in height. Broad was Robin across the shoulders, but broader was the stranger by twice the breadth of a palm, while he measured at least an L around the waist. Nevertheless, said Robin to himself, I will baste thy hide right merrily, my good fellow. Then aloud, Lo, here is my good staff, lusty and tough. Now wait my coming, and thou darest, and meet me, and thou farest not. Then we will fight until one or the other of us tumble into the stream by dint of blows. Marry, that meeteth my whole heart, cried the stranger, twirling his staff above his head, betwixt his fingers and thumb, until it whistled again. Never did the knights of Arthur's round table meet in a stouter fight than did these two. In a moment, Robin stepped quickly upon the bridge where the stranger stood. First he made a feint, and then delivered a blow at the stranger's head that, had it met its mark, would have tumbled him speedily into the water. But the stranger turned the blow right deftly, and in return gave one a stout, which Robin also turned, as the stranger had done. So they stood, each in his place, 
neither moving a finger's breath back for one good hour, and many blows were given and received by each in that time, till here and there were sore bones and bumps. Yet neither thought of crying enough, nor seemed likely to fall from the bridge. Now and then they stopped to rest, and each thought that he had never seen in all his life before such a hand at quarterstaff. At last, Robin gave the stranger a blow upon the ribs that made his jacket smoke like a damp straw thatch in the sun. So shrewd was the stroke that the stranger came within a hair's breadth of falling off the bridge. But he regained himself right quickly, and by a dexterous blow, gave Robin a crack on the crown that caused the blood to flow. Then Robin grew mad with anger and smote with all his might at the other. But the stranger warded the blow and once again thwacked Robin, and this time so fairly that he fell heels over head into the water as the queen pin falls in a game of bowls. And where art thou now, my good lad? shouted the stranger, roaring with laughter. Oh, in the flood and floating adown the tide, cried Robin, nor could he forbear laughing himself at his sorry plight. Then gaining his feet, he waded to the bank, the little fish speeding hither and thither, all frightened at his splashing. Give me thy hand, cried he, when he had reached the bank. I must needs own thou art a brave and sturdy soul, and withal a good stout stroke with the cudgels. By this and by that my head hummeth, like to a hive of bees on a hot June day. Then he clapped his horn to his lips, and winded a blast that went echoing sweetly down the forest paths. Ay, marry, quoth he again, thou art a tall lad, and eke a brave one, for near I bow, is there a man betwixt Hare and Canterbury town, could do the like to me that thou hast done. And thou, quoth the stranger, laughing, takest thy cudgelling like a brave heart and a stout yeoman. But now the distant twigs and branches rustled with the coming of men, as suddenly a score or two of good stout yeomen, all clad in Lincoln green, burst from out the covert, with merry Will Stutely at their head. Good master, cried Will, how is this? Truly thou art all wet from head to foot, and that to the very skin. Why, Mary, answered jolly Robin, yon stout fellow hath tumbled me neck and crop into the water, and hath given me a drubbing beside. Then shall he not go without a ducking and eke a drubbing himself, cried Will Stutely. Have at him, lads. Then Will and a score of yeomen leaped upon the stranger, but though they sprang quickly, they found him ready and felt him strike right and left with his stout staff, so that, though he went down with press of numbers, some of them rubbed cracked crowns before he was overcome. Nay, forbear, cried Robin, laughing till his sore sides ached again. He is a right good man and true, and no harm shall befall him. Now hark ye, good youth, wilt thou stay with me and be one of my band? Three suits of Lincoln green shalt thou have each year, besides forty marks in fee, and share with us whatsoever good shall befall us. Thou shalt eat sweet venison and quaff the stoutest ale, and mine own good right-hand man shalt thou be. For never did I see such a cudgel player in all my life before. Speak. Wilt thou be one of my good, merry men? That know I not, quoth the stranger, Sir Lily, for he was angry at being so tumbled about. If ye handle ye bow and apple shaft no better than ye do oaken cudgel, I wot ye are not fit to be called yeomen in my country. But if there be any man here that can shoot a better shaft than I, 
then will I bethink me of joining with you. Now by my faith, said Robin, thou art a right saucy varlet. Yet I will stoop to thee as I never stooped to man before. Good stooply, cut thou a fair white piece of bark, four fingers of breadth, and set it four score yards distant on yonder oak. Now, stranger, hit that fairly with a grey goose shaft, and call thyself an archer. Ay, marry, that will I, answered he. Give me a good stout bow and a fair broad arrow, and if I hit it not, strip me and beat me blue with bowstrings. Then he chose the stoutest bow among them all, next to Robin's own, and a straight grey goose shaft, well feathered and smooth, and stepping to the mark, while all the band, sitting or lying upon the green sword, watched to see him shoot. He drew the arrow to his cheek and loosed the shaft right deftly, sending it so straight down the path that it clove the mark in the very centre. Aha, cried he, mend thou if thou canst, while even the yeomen clap their hands at so fair a shot. That is a keen shot indeed, quoth Robin, mend it I cannot, but mar it I may perhaps. Then taking up his own good, stout bow, and knocking an arrow with care, he shot with his very greatest skill. Straight flew the arrow, and so true that it lit fairly upon the stranger's shaft and split it into splinters. Then all the yeomen leaped to their feet and shouted for joy that their master had shot so well. Now by the lusty yew-bow of good saint with old, cried the stranger, that is a shot indeed and never saw I the like in all my life before. Now truly will I be thy man henceforth and for I. Good Adam Bell was a fair shot, but never shot he so. Then have I gained a right good man this day, quoth jolly Robin. What name goest thou by, good fellow? Men call me John Little whence I came, answered the stranger. Then Will Stutely, who loved a good jest, spoke up. Nay, fair little stranger, said he, I like not thy name, and fain would I have it otherwise. Little art thou indeed, and small of bone and sinew. Therefore shalt thou be christened Little John, and I will be thy godfather. Then Robin Hood and all his band laughed aloud until the stranger began to grow angry. And thou make a jest of me, quoth he to Will Stutely. Thou wilt have sore bones and little pay and that in short season. Nay, good friend, said Robin Hood, bottle thine anger, for the name fitteth thee well. Little John shall thou be called henceforth, and little John shall it be. So come, my merry men, we will prepare a christening feast for this fair infant. So turning their backs upon the stream, they plunged into the forest once more, through which they traced their steps, till they reached the spot where they dwelled in the depths of the woodland. There had they built huts of bark and branches of trees, and made couches of sweet rushes spread over with skins of fallow deer. Here stood a great oak tree with branches spreading broadly around, beneath which was a seat of green moss, where Robin Hood was wont to sit at feast and at merrymaking with his stout men about him. Here they found the rest of the band, some of whom had come in with a brace of fat does, and they all built great fires and after a time roasted the does and broached a barrel of humming ale. Then, when the feast was ready, they all sat down, but Robin placed Little John at his right hand, 
for he was henceforth to be the second in the band. Then, when the feast was done, Will Stutely stood up. It is now time, I ween, to christen our bonny babe. Is it not so, merry boys? And I, I, cried all, laughing till the woods echoed with their mirth. Then seven sponsors shall we have, quoth Will Stutely, and hunting among all the band, he chose the seven stoutest men of all. Now by St. Dunstan, cried little John, springing to his feet, more than one of you shall rue it, and you lay a finger upon me. But without a word they all ran upon him at once, seizing him by legs and arms, and holding him tightly, in spite of his struggles, and they bore him forth while all stood around to see the sport. Then one came forward who had been chosen to play the priest, because he had a bald crown, and in his hand he carried a brimming pot of ale. Now, who bringeth this babe? asked he right soberly. That do I, answered Will Stutely. And what name callest thou him? Little John, call I him. Now, little John, quoth the mock priest, thou hast not lived heretofore, but only got thee along through the world. But henceforth thou wilt live indeed. When thou livest not, thou wast called John Little. But now that thou dost live indeed, little John shalt thou be called. So christen I thee. And at these last words he emptied the pot of ale upon little John's head. Then all shouted with laughter as they saw the good brown ale stream over little John's beard and trickle from his nose and chin, while his eyes blinked with the smart of it. At first he was of a mind to be angry, but found he could not, because the others were so merry. So he too laughed with the rest. Then Robin took this sweet, pretty babe, clothed him all anew from top to toe in Lincoln Green, and gave him a good stout bow, and so made him a member of the merry band. And thus it was that Robin Hood became outlawed. Thus a band of merry companions gathered about him, and thus he gained his right-hand man, Little John. And so the prologue ends. And now I will tell you how the Sheriff of Nottingham three times sought to take Robin Hood, and how he failed each time. Robin Hood and the Tinker Now it was told before how two hundred pounds were set upon Robin Hood's head, and how the Sheriff of Nottingham swore that he himself would seize Robin, both because he would fain have the two hundred pounds, and because the slain man was a kinsman of his own. Now the Sheriff did not yet know what a force Robin had about him in Sherwood, but thought that he might serve a warrant for his arrest as he could upon any other man that had broken the laws. Therefore he offered four score golden angels to anyone who would serve this warrant. But men of Nottingham Town knew more of Robin Hood and his doings than the sheriff did, and many laughed to think of serving a warrant upon the bold outlaw, knowing well that all they would get for such service would be cracked crowns, so that no one came forward to take the matter in hand. Thus a fortnight passed in which time none came forward to do the sheriff's business. Then said he, A right good reward have I offered to whosoever would serve my warrant upon Robin Hood, and I marvel that no one has come to undertake the task. Then one of his men who was near him said, Good master, thou wottest not the force that Robin Hood has about him, and how little he cares for warrant of king or sheriff. Truly, no one likes to go on this service for fear of cracked crowns and broken bones. 
Then I hold all Nottingham men to be cowards, said the sheriff. And let me see the man in all Nottinghamshire that dare disobey the warrant of our sovereign lord King Harry, for by the shrine of St. Edmund I will hang him forty cubits high. If no man in Nottingham dare win fourscore angels, I will send elsewhere, for there should be men of metal somewhere in this land. Then he called up a messenger, in whom he placed great trust, and bade him saddle his horse and make ready to go to Lincoln Town to see whether he could find anyone there that would do his bidding and win the reward. So that same morning the messenger started forth upon his errand. Bright shone the sun upon the dusty highway that led from Nottingham to Lincoln, stretching all white over hill and dale. Dusty was the highway and dusty the throat of the messenger, so that his heart was glad when he saw before him the sign of the Blue Boar Inn, when somewhat more than half his journey was done. The inn looked fair to his eyes, and the shade of the oak trees that stood around it seemed cool and pleasant. So he alighted from his horse to rest himself for a time, calling for a pot of ale to refresh his thirsty throat. There he saw a party of right jovial fellows, seated beneath the spreading oak that shaded the greensward in front of the door. There was a tinker, two barefoot friars, and a party of six of the king's foresters, all clad in Lincoln green, and all of them were quaffing humming ale and singing merry ballads of the good old times. Loud laughed the foresters, as jests were bandied about between the singing, and louder laughed the friars, for they were lusty men with beards that curled like the wool of black rams. But loudest of all laughed the tinker, and he sang more sweetly than any of the rest. His bag and his hammer hung upon a twig of the oak tree, and nearby leaned his good stout cudgel, as thick as his wrist and knotted at the end. Come, cried one of the foresters to the tired messenger, come join us for this shot. Ho, landlord, bring a fresh pot of ale for each man. The messenger was glad enough to sit down along with the others who were there, for his limbs were weary and the ale was good. Now, what news bearest thou so fast, quoth one, and whither ridest thou today? The messenger was a chatty soul and loved a bit of gossip dearly. Besides, the pot of ale warmed his heart, so that settling himself in an easy corner of the inn bench, while the host leaned upon the doorway and the hostess stood with her hands beneath her apron, he unfolded his budget of news with great comfort. He told all, from the very first, how Robin Hood had slain the forester, and how he had hidden in the greenwood to escape the law, how that he lived therein all against the law, God wot, slaying his majesty's dare, and levying toll on fat abbot, knight, and squire, so that none dare travel even on broad Watling Street or the Foss Way for fear of him, how that the sheriff had a mind to serve the king's warrant upon this same rogue, though little would he mind warrant of either king or sheriff, for he was far from being a law-abiding man. Then he told how none could be found in all Nottingham Town to serve this warrant, for fear of cracked pates and broken bones, and how that he, the messenger, was now upon his way to Lincoln Town to find of what metal the Lincoln men might be. Now come I forsooth from good Banbury Town, said the jolly tinker, and no one nigh Nottingham, nor Sherwood either, and that be the mark, can hold cudgel with my grip. Why, lads, did I not meet that mad wag Simon of Ely, even at the famous fair at Hartford Town, 
and beat him in the ring at that place before Sir Robert of Leslie and his lady. This same Robin Hood, of whom, I would, I never heard before, is a right merry blade. But guinea be strong, am I not stronger? And guinea be sly, am I not slyer? Now by the bright eyes of Nan of the Mill, and by mine own name, and that's what of the crabstaff, and by my own mother's son, and that's myself, will I, even I, what of the crabstaff, meet this same sturdy rogue, and gin he mind not the seal of our glorious sovereign, King Harry, and the warrant of the good sheriff of Nottinghamshire, I will so bruise, beat, and bemaul this pate, that he shall never move finger or toe again. Hear ye that, bully boys. Now art thou the man for my farthing, cried the messenger, and back thou goest with me to Nottingham town. Nay, quoth the tinker, shaking his head slowly from side to side, go I with no man, gin it be not with mine own free will. Nay, nay, said the messenger, no man is there in Nottinghamshire could make thee go against thy will, thou brave fellow. Ay, that be I brave, said the tinker. Ay, marry, said the messenger, thou art a brave lad, but our good sheriff hath offered four score angels of bright gold to whosoever shall serve the warrant upon Robin Hood, though little good will it do. Then I will go with thee, lad. Do but wait till I get my bag and hammer and my cudgel. Ay, let me but meet this same Robin Hood, and let me see whether he will not mind the king's warrant. So after having paid their score, the messenger, with the tinker striding beside his nag, started back to Nottingham again. One bright morning, soon after this time, Robin Hood started off to Nottingham Town to find what was a-doing there. Walking merrily alongside the road, where the grass was sweet with daisies, his eyes wandering and his thoughts also. His bugle horn hung at his hip, and his bow and arrows at his back, while in his hand he bore a good stout oaken staff, which he twirled with his fingers as he strolled along. As thus he walked down a shady lane, he saw a tinker coming, trolling a merry song as he drew nigh. On his back hung his bag and his hammer, and in his hand he carried a right stout crab staff full six feet long. And thus he sang, In peace God time, when hound to horn gives air till buck be killed, and little lads with pipes of corn sit keeping beasts afield. Hello, good friend, cried Robin. I went to gather strawberries. Hello, cried Robin again. By woods and groves full fair. Hello, art thou deaf man? Good friend, say I. And who art thou dost so boldly check a fair song, quoth the tinker, stopping in his singing. Hello thine own self, whether thou be good friend or no. But let me tell thee, thou stout fellow, gin thou be a good friend, it were well for us both, but gin thou be no good friend, it were ill for thee. And whence comest thou, my lusty blade, quoth Robin? I come from Banbury, answered the tinker. Alas, quoth Robin. I hear there's sad news this merry morn. Ha! Is it indeed so? cried the tinker eagerly. Prithee, tell it speedily, for I am a tinker by trade, as thou seest. And as I am in my trade, I am greedy for news, even as a priest is greedy for farthings. Well then, quoth Robin, list thou, and I will tell, but bear thyself up bravely, for the news is sad, I wot. Thus it is. I hear that two tinkers are in the stocks for drinking ale and beer. 
Now a marine sees thee in thy news, thou scurvy dog, quoth the tinker, for thou speakest but ill of good men. But sad news it is indeed, can there be two stout fellows in the stocks. Nay, said Robin, thou hast missed the mark, and dost but weep for the wrong sow. The sadness of the news lieth in that there be but two in the stocks, for the others do roam the country at large. Now by the pewter platter of St. Dunstan, cried the tinker, I have a good part of mine to baste thy hide for thine ill jest. But gin man be put in the stocks for drinking ale and beer, I trow thou wouldst not lose thy part. Loud laughed Robin and cried, Now well taken, tinker, well taken. Why thy wits are like bear, and do froth up most when they grow sour. But right art thou, man, for I love ale and bear right well. Therefore come straight away with me, hard by to the sign of the blue boar. Let thou drinkest as thou appearest, and I wot thou wilt not belie thy looks. I will drench thy throat with as good home-brewed as ever was tapped in all broad Nottinghamshire. Now by my faith, said the tinker, thou art a right good fellow in spite of thy scurvy jests. I love thee, my sweet chuck. And gin I go not with thee to that same blue boar thou mayst call me a heathen. Tell me thy news, good friend, I prithee, quoth Robin as they trudged along together. For tinkers, I ween, are all full of news as an egg of meat. Now I love thee as my brother, my bully blade, said the tinker, else I would not tell thee my news. For sly I am, man, and I have in hand a grave undertaking that doth call for all my wits, for I come to seek a bold outlaw that men hereabouts call Robin Hood. Within my pouch I have a warrant, all fairly written out on parchment, forsooth, with a great red seal, for to make it lawful. Could I but meet this same Robin Hood, I would serve it upon his dainty body, and if he minded it not, I would beat him till every one of his ribs would cry Amen. But thou livest hereabouts, mayhap thou knowest Robin Hood, thyself, good fellow. Aye, marry, that I do somewhat, quoth Robin, and I have seen him this very morn. But Tinker, men say that he is but a sad, sly thief. Thou hadst better watch thy warrant, man or else he may steal it out of thy very pouch. Let him but try, cried the tinker. Sly may he be, but sly am I too. I would, I had him here now, man to man. And he made his heavy cudgel to spin again. But what manner of man is he, lad? Much like myself, said Robin, laughing. And in height, and build, and age, nigh the same. And he hath blue eyes, too. Nay, quoth the tinker. Thou art but a green youth. I thought him to be a great bearded man. Nottingham men feared him so. Truly he is not so old nor so stout as thou art, said Robin, but men do call him a right deft hand at quarterstaff. That may be, said the tinker right sturdily, but I am more deft than he. For did I not overcome Simon of Ely in a fair bout in the ring at Hartford Town? But if thou knowest him, my jolly blade, wilt thou go with me? and bring me to him. Four score bright angels hath the sheriff promised me if I serve the warrant upon the knave's body, and ten of them will I give to thee if thou showest me him. Aye, that will I, quoth Robin, but show me thy warrant, man, until I see whether it be good or no. That will I not do, even to mine own brother, answered the tinker. No man shall see my warrant till I serve it upon yon fellow's own body. So be it, quoth Robin. 
and thou show it not to me, I know not to whom thou wilt show it. But here we are at the sign of the blue boar, so let us in and taste his brown October. No sweeter inn could be found in all Nottinghamshire than that of the blue boar. None had such lovely trees standing around, or so covered with trailing clematis and sweet woodbine. None had such good beer and such humming ale. Nor in wintertime, when the north wind howled and snow drifted around the hedges, was there to be found elsewhere such a roaring fire as blazed upon the hearth of the blue boar. At such times might be found a goodly company of yeomen or country folk seated around the blazing hearth, bandying merry jests, while roasted crabs bobbed in bowls of ale upon the hearthstone. Well known was the inn to Robin Hood and his band, for there he and his such merry companions as Little John or Will Stutely or young David of Doncaster often gathered when all the forest was filled with snow. As for mine host, he knew how to keep a still tongue in his head and to swallow his words before they passed his teeth, for he knew very well which side of his bread was spread with butter, for Robin and his band were the best of customers and paid their scores without having them chalked up behind the door. So now, when Robin Hood and the tinker came thereto and called aloud for two great pots of ale, none would have known from look or speech that the host had ever set eyes upon the outlaw before. Bathe thou there, quoth Robin to the tinker, while I go and see that mine host draweth ale from the right butt, for he hath got good October, I know, and that brewed by withhold of Tamworth. So saying, he went within and whispered to the host to add a measure of Flemish strong waters to the good English ale, which the latter did and brought it to them. By Our Lady, said the tinker, after a long draught of the ale, yon same withhold of Tamworth, a right good Saxon name too, I would have thee know, breweth the most humming ale that e'er passed the lips of what of the crabstaff. Drink, man, drink, cried Robin, only wetting his own lips meanwhile. Ho, landlord, bring my friend another pot of the same, and now for a song, my jolly blade. Aye, that will I give thee a song, my lovely fellow, quoth the tinker, for I never tasted such ale in all my days before. By Our Lady, it doth make my head hum even now. Hey, dame hostess, come listen, and thou wouldst hear a song, and thou too, thou bonny lass, for never sing I so well as when bright eyes do look upon me the while. Then he sang an ancient ballad of the time of good King Arthur, called The Marriage of Sir Gawain, which you may sometime read yourself, in stout English of early times. And as he sang, all listened to that noble tale of the noble knight and his sacrifice to his king. But long before the tinker came to the last verse, his tongue began to trip and his head to spin, because of the strong waters mixed with the ale. First his tongue tripped, then it grew thick of sound, then his head wagged from side to side, until at last he fell asleep as though he would never waken again. Then Robin Hood laughed aloud and quickly took the warrant from out the tinker's pouch with his deft fingers. Sly thou art, tinker, quoth he, but not yet, I bow, art thou as sly as that same sly thief, Robin Hood. Then he called the host to him and said, Here, good man, are ten broad shillings for the entertainment thou hast given us today. See that thou takest good care of thy fair guest here. And when he wakes, thou mayst again charge him ten shillings also. And if he hath it not, thou mayst take his bag and hammer 
and even his coat in payment. Thus do I punish those that come into the greenwood to deal dole to me. As for thine own self, never knew I a landlord yet that would not charge twice than he could. At this the host smiled slyly, as though saying to himself the rustic saw, teach a magpie to suck eggs. The tinker slept until the afternoon drew to a close, and the shadows grew long beside the woodland edge. Then he awoke. First he looked up, then he looked down, then he looked east, then he looked west, for he was gathering his wits together, like barley straws blown apart by the wind. First he thought of his merry companion, but he was gone. Then he thought of his stout crabstaff, and that he had within his hand. Then of his warrant, and of the fourscore angels he was to gain for serving it upon Robin Hood. He thrust his hand into his pouch, but not a scrap nor a farthing was there. Then he sprang to his feet in a rage. O oh, landlord, cried he, whither hath that knave gone that was with me but now? What knave meaneth your worship, quoth the landlord, calling the tinker worship to soothe him, as a man would pour oil upon angry water? I saw no knave with your worship, for I swear no man would dare call that man knave so nigh to Sherwood Forest. A right stout yeoman I saw with your worship, but I thought that your worship knew him, for few there be at about here that pass him by and know him not. Now, how should I, that ne'er have squealed in your sty, know all the swine therein? Who was he then, and thou knowest him so well? Why, yon same is a right stout fellow whom men hereabouts do call Robin Hood. Which same? Now, fire lady, cried the tinker hastily, and in a deep voice like an angry bull. Thou didst see me come in thine inn, I, a staunch, honest craftsman, and never told me who my company was, well knowing thine own self who he was. Now I have a right round piece of a mind to crack thy knave's pate for thee. Then he took up his cudgel and looked at the landlord as though he would smite him where he stood. Nay, cried the host, throwing up his elbow, for he feared the blow. How knew I that thou knewest him not? Well, and truly thankful mayst thou be, quoth the tinker, but I be a patient man, and so to spare thy bald crown, else would thou ne'er cheat customer again. But as for this same knave, Robin Hood, I go straight away to seek him, and if I do not score his knave's pate, cut my staff and call me woman. So saying, he gathered himself together to depart. Nay, quoth the landlord, standing in front of him and holding out his arms like a gooseherd, driving his flock, for money made him bold. Thou goest not till thou hast paid me my score. But did he not pay thee? Not so much as one farthing, and ten good shillings worth of ale have you drunk this day. Nay, I say, thou goest not away without paying me, else shall our good sheriff know of it. But now have I to pay thee with good fellow, quoth the tinker. Good fellow, not me, said the landlord. Good fellow, am I not when it cometh to lose ten shillings? Pay me that thou owest me in broad money, or else leave thy coat and bag and hammer. Yet I won't they are not worth ten shillings, and I shall lose thereby. Nay, and thou stirrest, I have a great dog within, and I shall loose him upon thee. Macon, open thou door and let forth Brian if this fellow stirs one step. Eh, quoth the tinker, for by roaming the country he had learned what dogs were. Take thou what thou wilt have, and let me depart in peace. And may a moraine go with thee. 
but oh landlord, and I catch yon scurvy varlet, I swear he shall pay full with usury for that he hath had. So saying, he strode away toward the forest, talking to himself, while the landlord and his worthy dame and Macon stood looking after him, and laughed when he had fairly gone. Now it happened, about this time, that Robin Hood was going through the forest to Foss Way, to see what was to be seen there, for the moon was full and the night gave promise of being bright. In his hand he carried his stout oaken staff, and at his side hung his bugle horn. As thus he walked up a forest path, whistling, down another path, came the tinker, muttering to himself, and shaking his head like an angry bull. And so, at a sudden bend, they met sharply, face to face. Each stood still for a time, and then Robin spoke. Hello, my sweet bird, said he, laughing merrily. How likest thou thine ale? Wilt not sing to me another song? The tinker said nothing at first, but stood looking at Robin with a grim face. Now, quoth he at last, I am right glad I have met thee, and if I do not rattle thy bones within thy hide this day, I give thee leave to put thy foot upon my neck. With all my heart, cried Mary Robin, rattle my bones, and thou canst. So saying, he gripped his staff and threw himself upon his guard. Then the tinker spat upon his hands, and grasping his staff, came straight at the other. He struck two or three blows, but soon found that he had met his match, for Robin warded and parried all of them. And before the tinker thought, he gave him a rap upon the ribs in return. At this, Robin laughed aloud, and the tinker grew more angry than ever, and smote again with all his might and main. Again, Robin warded two of the strokes, but at the third, his staff broke beneath the mighty blows of the tinker. Now ill betide thee, traitor staff, cried Robin, as it fell from his hands. A foul stick thou art to serve me thus in mine hour of need. Now yield thee, quoth the tinker, for thou art my captive. If thou do not, I will beat thy pate to a pudding. To this Robin Hood made no answer, but clapping his horn to his lips, he blew three blasts loud and clear. I, quoth the tinker, blow thou mayest, but go thou must with me to Nottingham Town, for the sheriff would fain see thee there. Now, wilt thou yield thee, or shall I have to break thy pretty head? And I must drink sour ale I must, quoth Robin, but never have I yielded me to man before, and that without wound or mark upon my body, nor, when I bethink me, will I yield now. Ho, my merry men, come quickly. Then out of the forest leaped little John and six stout yeomen, clad in Lincoln green. How now, good master, cried little John. What need hast thou that thou dost wind thy horn so loudly? There stands a tinker, quoth Robin, that would fain take me to Nottingham, there to hang upon the gallows tree. Then shall he himself hang forthwith, cried little John, and he and the others made at the tinker to seize him. Nay. Touch him not, said Robin, for a right stout man is he. A metal man he is by trade, and a metalled man by nature. Moreover, he doth sing a lovely ballad. Stay, good fellow, wilt thou join my merry men all? Three suits of Lincoln green shalt thou have a year, besides forty marks in fee. Thou shalt share all with us, and lead a right merry life in the greenwood. For cares have we not, and misfortune cometh not upon us within the sweet shades of Sherwood. 
where we shoot the dun deer and feed upon venison and sweet oaten cakes and curds and honey. Wilt thou come with me? Ay, marry, will I join with you all, quoth the tinker, for I love a merry life, and I love thee, good master, though thou didst thwack my ribs and cheat me into the bargain. Fain am I to own thou art both a stouter and slyer man than I, so I will obey thee and be thy own true servant. So all turned their steps to the forest depths, where the tinker was to live henceforth. For many a day he sang ballads to the band, until the famous Alan Adale joined them, before whose sweet voice all others seemed as harsh as a raven's. But of him we will learn hereafter. Good night.